Appalachia. Nobody truly knows where the word comes from, yet everybody has their own opinion of what it represents. Everything from mountaintop beauty and deep forest to meth heads and extreme prejudice. The Appalachian Mountains are the oldest mountains in the world. They once towered 30,000 feet to the air and currently stretch from Canada through 14 states all the way to Louisiana. The inhabitants of these mountains through the many years of their existence have lived through and witnessed downright unbelievable and tormenting historical atrocities. They have lived through everything from hauntings to cryptic creatures that show up and wreak havoc on their homesteads. The worst creature, though, may be man himself. I, being born and raised in these Appalachian Mountains, know that nothing is beyond a pale of belief, no matter how fantastic it sounds. The history that lies in these mountains is rich and has a long legacy of unending tales and adventures. Come with me as I take you on a fantastic journey through these mountains, where things are not always as they seem. I guarantee you it won't be anything like you expected. Hello, I'm Larry Bentley, and this is Season 2 of Appalachian Murder, Mystery, and Legend. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. How you doing, my good friends? Thank you again for stopping by. I've said many times that we who live in the Appalachian Mountains see some pretty strange things. Heck, Used to be I'd watch the 6 o'clock news in the evening just to see what the heck folks might have found. Well, who might have seen what or what kind of evil somebody might have put upon somebody else that day. It seemed that for a while, there back when I was a young feller, a day wouldn't go by without something that happened made the news. I did, don't watch it so much anymore because of the way they presented they tell the news nowadays from a preconceived notion of what they think most people believe, and that kind of crawls my nape. Anyway, on October 17, 1984, there was come some news that intrigues me to this very day. Make yourself at home, and let me tell you all about it. Now, on October 17, 1984, a plane full of marijuana crashed into a mountainside in Carroll County, Virginia. It slammed into the side of Fancy Gap Mountain. Authorities soon determined that a man named Wally Thrasher was the owner of the plane. There was a body in the plane with all of that weed, too. This whole mess was a, of great interest to the authorities, of course, as they'd been trying their best to get something on Mr. Thrasher since the early 70s. Back in 1978, he was identified as the owner of a boat that ran aground with 18,000 pounds of marijuana on it near Charleston, South Carolina. In 1980, he was again identified as the pilot of a plane carrying marijuana from Columbia to Georgia. He was never charged in either case. Then in 1982, he was arrested in the Bahamas on a drug charge. 
But once again, he danced right out the front door into obscurity. The authorities, as well as nearly everybody who knew Wally, knew one thing about him. He'd been flying drugs into this country for over a decade. And I mean a whole bunch of drugs. Wally's operation flew tons of marijuana and cocaine into the western region of Virginia. Distributors then smuggled the drugs into Chicago, Detroit, and other big cities. He often flew the planes himself, and the neighbors considered him a local hero, much along the lines of John Dillinger. Thanks to the money brought in from his operation, he and his wife Olga bought a 10-acre estate and surrounded themselves in pure luxury. It always happened that when they would get close to getting him, he'd live up to his nickname, the Squirrel, every time. The squirrel lived just across the mountain from where I lived, and he earned his nickname playing high school football. Seemed like every time they'd hand ball, the ball to Wally, well, catching him was as hard as trying to catch a squirrel. One radio announcer said that very thing during a football game one night, and his nickname stuck. Catching the squirrel on the football field was one thing. Heck, he had to stay in bounds, and sooner or later, with enough help, you could get him down or run him out of bounds. Catching him doing what he was doing now, well, that was a whole different ball game, so to speak. Now, the authorities thought that they had him with his breeches down and both hands in the cookie jar. There was about a million dollars worth of weed on that plane, and they were absolutely elated that the plane belonged to the squirrel. The reporters that day anticipated that the body on the plane was that of Wally Thrasher and were anxiously awaiting the confirmation on that very thing at any time. And that's where the report ended that day. What happens next took about a month or so to fully develop. By this time, I had found out that my dad knew the squirrel pretty well. They had went to rival high schools, and dear old dad had heard about the exploits of Mr. Thrasher and his living high on the hog with apparently no job. So that's about where it stood until things started, well, I guess you'd call it getting squirrely. Now to start with, the body on the plane wasn't a squirrel at all, but one of the people who worked for him named Mark Bailey. It took him that long to identify him because the remains were pretty well charred. The next time out, when that when the authorities went to question Wally, why, danged if he wasn't gone. Olga, his wife, told him over the phone, because apparently she wasn't home either, that her husband told her that he would be home in a couple of days, and she hadn't heard from him since he left. The authorities figured that he had grabbed up everything that he could carry, along with his wife Olga, and made a break for it. So, what's the next thing on the agenda? You're right. Go back over to Wally's house. Now, I've been over there many times and saw the squirrels, well, for lack of a better term, estate. It pretty much looked like a castle made out of logs. Wasn't anybody living near the place, and I'd always thought that it must have been some retired doctor from out of state all tucked away in the Blue Ridge Mountains where he could live out his days in peace. Yep, I was wrong. <laughs> so imagine when the authorities showed up there the first time they thought to take it just be easier to ring the bell and see if anybody was home than to cause any trouble before they even knew if the squirrel was dead or not. It wasn't long after they found out that the squirrel wasn't home that they figured the body probably wasn't the squirrel and 
come up with the going on the run theory. Of course, they didn't know anything for sure at that point yet. But when they showed up again, and again they rang the bell, much to their surprise, they were let in. So by this time, it was around mid-November. They tried to sit down with Olga for a nice little chat, and here's where it gets even squirrelier. A man who was in the house with her claimed that Olga was just overcome with grief and she couldn't speak to him. The man told him that Wallace Thrasher had died in a plane crash in Jamaica back in November 5th. They will be glad to send him a death, send them a death certificate as soon as they got one. Thank you for your time and concern. Now there's the door. Wouldn't you know it, just a few weeks later, Olga and the man produced a death certificate for her late husband, Wally the Squirrel Thrasher. Now... I remember seeing this report on the news. I'd actually went over to visit my mom and dad because rumor had it that my mom had cooked up a big mess of pinto beans with a side of cornbread and onion. So I figured it was more than worth my time to go over there and drop by. And I was right. We sat there and watched this report on the news over a big bowl of pintos, and before I could even get the words out of my mouth, I thought the whole that I thought the whole thing was a bunch of hooey on the plane crash in Jamaica. My dear old dad said that he believed the squirrel was about as dead as he was, and my dad, dad is still very much alive today, and doing well, matter of fact. Investigators, well, they thought the same thing. This whole died in a plane crash was just a bit too convenient. They were about as suspicious of, of all of this as a farmer would be a fox in the hen house. After all, they were dealing with the squirrel who left them holding a rope made out of sand more times than they cared to think about. They decided that they'd best dig into this and see if they could verify the whole died in a plane crash in Jamaica thing. Good thing they did. It was determined that the certificate was a flat-out fraud. No witnesses were ever found that said there was a plane crash in Jamaica, nor was there even a record of any such thing anywhere to be found and the Jamaican Minister of Aviation confirmed that there was absolutely no plane crash during that time. I remember when that report came out on the news and my dad literally laughed out loud, pretty much saying, <laughs> uh, I told you so. We're just getting heated up. Stick around. I'll be right back. You're listening to Appalachian Murder Mystery and Legend with Larry Bentley. Now, for us Appalachians, few things are better than a good mess of squirrel and gravy. Pioneers of these old hills called it the chicken soup of the mountains. By now, the investigators were about tired of getting their mouths all fixed up for a nice squirrel gravy on to be duped and duped again. They were just about as mad as a one-legged man-to-butt-kicking contest when they decided to go ahead and file charges against Wally for being an international drug king because they doubted very seriously if he even had a scratch on him, wherever he was. So they went back over to the Thrasher estate and dragged Miss Olga downtown to answer a few tough questions. Once downtown, Olga explained about the night of October 17, 1984. She said that there was a second man on the plane who had survived the crash and was able to flee the scene. He was named Nelson King. While firefighters and police raced up the mountain to the crash scene, the squirrel mate had picked up Mr. King up by a nearby gas station 
That's a whole parade of emergency vehicles drove right by him and the squirrel waved at him. Wally had brought him home where Olga tried to treat his broken leg, but it was just too bad, so the squirrel went on the move again and took Nelson to Florida where he dropped him off at a hospital and told him he was a victim of a motorcycle accident. I remember the look on the reporter's face when he told that one. I think that all the local reporters at first thought that the plane crash in Fancy Gap Mountain was the end of it. Heck, it was just the beginning. And we still ain't done. Two weeks later, the squirrel was back in business, as usual, or so Olga said. He left at a small plane with $250,000 and was heading to Belize where he was going to pick up a load of marijuana and bring it back to the United States. I guess he's got to try to recoup some of his loss. Olga then told him that she later received a phone call from one of his friends in Belize, and they said that while he had died on takeoff in a crash there in Belize. They also told her that the crash fire was so hot that all there was left was a big pile of ashes. The squirrel's entire body and the whole plane burnt completely up. Now, folks, that would be a really hot fire to pull that off. She went on and admitted to creating a fake death certificate in order to have access to Wally's estate. She believed that her property would be confiscated if investigators found out that she had been doing a drug run and he died while he was doing it. Now, in May of 1985... Here we are still watching all the news on all of this. Out of the blue, Olga pled guilty to helping one of her husband's associates, Mr. King, evade authorities and then plotting to have him abducted and done away with after questioning his loyalty. Apparently, Olga had told an informant, which happened to be Freddie Lee Gilbert, who lived on the Thrasher estate in their guest house, that she planned to carry on her husband's business. Unbeknownst to Olga, Old Gilbert agreed to cooperate by secretly taping conversations with her. I guess she lacked the finesse of the squirrel, and her reign of terror was pretty much short-lived. About this time, the news was on the spot as the federal authorities moved in and seized a thrasher home. They finally put it up for sale, and I guess somebody got a whale of a deal because the last time I was over there, it still looked pretty nice. Oh, whatever happened to Nelson King, well... Authorities didn't forget about him either. Other than being targeted for assassination by Olga, he was still a major figure in the whole mess. He was arrested and dragged back to Roanoke, Virginia on a marijuana smuggling charge uh, for being the pilot in the smuggling ring. I remember that. I think they went real easy on the guy because he agreed to testify against Olga for trying to have him exterminated. In May of 1986... Authorities watched as one of the squirrel's associates met with Olga. He claimed to have found Wally's wedding ring among the plane's ashes. Wasn't that a struggle up? Investigators believed that the ring was in too good a condition for it to be in a fiery plane crash that literally burned the entire plane, metal and all, into cinders. I must agree with them on that one. I know. Why's Olga out meeting with the squirrel's associates? Now, being squirrelless, downright ill about it all, and Knowing darn good and well that nobody in the right mind would believe that the squirrel was dead, authorities had decided to make Olga an informant on the down low. I guess after being left holding a bag in the form of a plane full of pot, 
getting caught trying to reinvent herself as the new squirrel and losing her castle. She figured it was better than being locked up in a federal prison until she was so old that her skin draped off her like a Sharpay dog. None of this made the news. We all thought that Olga was indeed going to the big house for a few decades. Time went on and a whole lot of things happened without the Thrasher name being involved in it. All of a sudden, the DEA was bringing down drug smugglers and dealers left and right. They were dropping like flies. Even the squirrel's closest associate and best friend, Doug Griffin, who was smuggling multi-ton plane loads of marijuana and cocaine to his farm near Virginia's Homestead Resort, took the fall. After that one made the news, we all started to thinking maybe Olga had decided to cooperate. I figured that we probably weren't the only ones thinking that either. We expected to hear that Olga had been found in a ditch somewhere or maybe got herself Epstein in a federal prison. Now, Mr. Griffith wasn't stupid either. He figured that if a deal was good enough for Olga, then why shouldn't he have one? So he flipped, entered witness protection, and helped the feds make the largest drug bust in the mid-Atlantic U.S. history in 1986. That would appear to be the end of it all, but oh no. <laughs> that bust led to 12 others who were involved in an international drug smuggling ring that went all the way back to the drug kingpin in South America, named Roberto Suarez Gomez, known as the King of Cocaine. I still remember the look on his face when they took him on his perp walk. Olga? Well, she refused witness protection. Last I heard was that she was living as far away from Virginia as she could get and still be in the United States. Federal authorities watched her like a hawk for years trying to get their hands on the squirrel, but as far as they know, he never made contact. The next big thing that happened was in 1995 when America's Most Wanted aired a segment on the squirrel. Of course, not one of their tips amounted to a hill of beans, and Olga's image was suspiciously left out of the segment. Finally, in 2015, the Thrasher name was back in the news as federal authorities announced that they'd dropped the charges against Wally the Squirrel Thrasher. They announced that, based on the recent evidence, that they now believe he is dead. Well, what was this evidence? That, my good friends, is a very good question. They're not saying my thoughts, as well as my dear old dad's, is that they're making another attempt to draw the squirrel out. So, far as nobody's ever heard or seen anything of him since 1984, at least as far as anybody knows. Me? From what I've seen and heard of it all, I'll bet you a dollar to a coon hide that he's sitting somewhere laughing at the whole bunch of them. And I'll bet you he's been in contact with older and her children, too. Yep, he's just that slick. This whole story is true, and I told you as best as I can remember it. I watched it all unfold right on the news. Wouldn't surprise me one bit one day if there's a report on a natural death of an elderly gentleman who turns out to be identified as the squirrel who had lived out his days right under everybody's nose. Well, I hope you've enjoyed our story today. If you have, please rate and review the podcast, and don't forget to follow us, please. If you like even more episodes of all the podcasts we do, The Deviant Report, World of Murder, Mystery, and Legend, and Appalachian Murder, Mystery, and Legend, go over to anchor.fm and look up Appalachian Murder, Mystery, and Legend, because that's where we all are. 
And for extra episodes, you can join and subscribe for $1.99 a month and get extra episodes every month of all of them. Please join us on Facebook group Appalachian Murder Mystery and Legend Podcast where we can discuss everything Appalachian or whatever else you'd like to talk about. I'll be back real soon with another Appalachian Murder Mystery or Legend, and I will see you then.